In the 1980s, detectives Hayes and West are frustrated with running down false leads and decide to get back to basics to do more thorough searches of the crime scene, the children's houses, and give further scrutiny to initial witnesses. They find that the children have been lying about their whereabouts, spending three to four days a week alone and unsupervised in the nearby woods. They also uncover a hidden cache of toys, some cryptic drawings, tiny handwritten notes of support and encouragement, and a photo of Will's first communion that looks suspiciously like his body was staged at the time of his death. In the 90s, Amelia and Wayne Hayes investigate the suddenly reopened Julie Purcell case together as journalist and detective. Amelia... Lu Amelia uses her feminine wiles to get information out of Oklahoma officers investigating the Walgreens break-in that Julie's prints were identified with, while Wayne loses his daughter in a local Walmart running errands. Wayne and Amelia have a fight seemingly over her flirtations with the cops and the careless way she talks about the case. Meanwhile, Wayne's old partner, Roland West, recruits him to be on the team investigating the reopened case. In 2015, Wayne learns of some apparently shoddy police work in the previous investigations, in particular a failure to follow up on leads involving a mysterious scarred man in a suit accompanied by a woman who drove around the area in a new brown sedan while questioning witnesses. He's later confronted by a vision of his now-deceased wife Amelia taunting him with paradoxes of time and space and cryptic warnings of him being forced to lose everything because of things he's left in the woods. Welcome to The World We Deserve, the officially unofficial podcast for True Detective on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And we watched this week, season three, episode three, titled The Big Never. Uh, what'd you think of this one? Uh, it's good. I I really dig the three-level mystery you've got going on over all three decades. And I'm wondering, you know, we're going to be at the halfway point next week. How long can they maintain all three levels of that? Without without yeah. them bleeding into each other too right, much, <laughs> right? Like it's, it, it's uh, seem, not long. It seems like that we have to get somewhere um, on in the in the eighties mystery because the you know there's an overturning of that in the nineties, which is mysterious, and then something nagging in twenty fifteen. But um, I don't know. But I, I was watching the uh, kind of behind the scenes uh, Pizzolatto interviews, and he said that like next week is really launching the 90s aspect of investigation implying that maybe it's it's going to work itself from the middle out okay that would be interesting yeah uh we got a little taste of that in this episode right with the the drugstore stakeout and then the subsequent follow-up with the cops yeah on yeah amelia's part so yeah. i could see that yeah being a an interesting inroad to this investigation it's also interesting how they do like this this weaved narrative shows the genesis dissolution ultimate destruction of uh, Wayne and Amelia's relationship mm -hmm. like you simultaneously see them falling in love and the issues with that and those issues rearing their ugly head 10 years hence and then you know the broken man has been left behind I I thought that, I think that's really good and it, it's allowing uh Mahershala and uh, uh Mr. Dor Dorf to do to do some excellent work yeah, you, I, I I was really struck by uh, Mahershala's old man this episode. Right, he had some choice when he was like yeah, in the doctor's office. He had some choice. Uh -huh. 
good stuff. Even in his own private study, he was yeah. doing some really good stuff. Just yeah. just with affecting the old man voice, which yeah. he he kind of is doing with that character throughout the three time periods, right. but he adds a little extra spice to it. Yeah, yeah. In 2015, so I don't know. I I'm blown away by his performance, and honestly, if he doesn't win, you know, some kind of Emmy gold somewhere i'm gonna be shocked right right um have you seen the um have you seen the uh the pop star never stop never stopping i haven't because no. i feel like he's throwing a little like tim meadows uh now, now hold on there young blood kind of into the old man mix oh yeah you know with his son and I, i'm i'm enjoying that huh. um okay uh should we talk about the the episode proper i mean the first thing to mention is that the the board has officially started the string board the string board, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we got yeah. the, the the initial uh, volley of stuff up onto that board, and I was super excited to see that. Yeah, I thought you said boar for a minute. I'm like, is this a boar? reference to the hog farm? The boar's nope. getting started? What? Nope. Is this I the Yellow King farm. episode? There's a red boar? I don't, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> right. yeah, a re- there's a red the red board has been started. A crazy yarn bar board. Yeah, I'm excited for that. And it's got its first picture on it. Hmm. So, to, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm not picking up the thing you're pitching, but... Uh, I'm just excited for the board. That's okay. literally it. All right. The board is on the board. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the episode? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, so, we did like the 80s, 90s, 2015s last week. You want to continue with that? Uh, yeah, why not? That mojo? Hey, before we get going on the episode, I want to talk about some things going on here right at BaldMove.com this year week on the BaldMove TV feeds. We're going to be wrapping up Punisher Season 2. We're going to be discussing the fire documentaries that have been recently released on Netflix and Hulu, which I thought were a lot of fun. A lot of education, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of uh, gloating, a lot of low stakes, uh, nobody died feeling good about other people's misfortune, mm-hmm. kind of. Yep. Uh, on the Bald Movies feed, we've got a bunch of stuff. We got Glass la- last week. Uh, we've got Aquaman. We're going to go back and check out one that we missed over Christmas. Uh, we're going to be seeing the Netflix original Polar uh, based on a hit comic book starring Mads Mikkelsen on the Bald Movies feed this week. Don't forget it's the Baldies coming up next week. January 30th is our annual award show. This is our fifth annual. Nominations are now closed, but the winner's voting will be open tomorrow. Uh, you can use the link baldies.baldmove.com starting tomorrow, January 23rd. Uh, so the ceremony will be released on January 30th. So all the best comedies, dramas, uh, actors, whatnot. And we also release all our deliberations, hours of you know transparency content where you actually find out why Jim and I voted the way we did. Uh, so that's kind of cool. We also have the second annual Not Quite Groundhog's Day, Groundhog's Day Marathon. You can find out more information at groundhog.baldmove.com. We're raising money for the National Alliance to end homelessness. We're going to do a 24-hour stream. We're going to watch all of the Star Wars movies in chronological order uh, Saturday, February 9th from 12.01 a.m. to 11.59 p.m. I guess that's 23 hours and 58 minutes. We're going to be watching Star Wars and raising money. We wrote, we uh, uh, we raised over $10,000 last year. We'll see if we can do that good this year. It's going to be happening live at twitch.tv slash baldmove. You can swing by. You can hang out with us. You can encourage us. You can watch some Star Wars with us. And hopefully you can throw some cash towards the homeless because uh, they need it. So that's what's going on at baldmove.com. All right, so we begin in in the the eighties with them analyzing the note that they got last episode. The rant, kind of, it's not a ransom note. It's a 
you know, kids should be happy note. Uh, they're analyzing for fingerprints and other details. They mentioned that there's some like uh, child childlike aspects or naive aspects to operation, like the fact that they went to all this trouble to do the ransom style note from all the different clippings, but they hand wrote the envelope. Um, and- yeah, that's an interesting detail that I don't think is thrown out there just to show how dumb the perpetrators are. Mm. I think it's going to tie back in, but we'll, we'll maybe talk about that when we get to the notes. I wonder if the implication is like the child, uh, yeah, because there's all these crazy theories about like maybe the kids uh, kidnapped themselves, whatnot. Like are are one of the things we're supposed to believe is maybe that this is the child herself, uh, uh, sending a note saying, but but she the parents would recognize her handwriting, right? Yeah, so that's that's the kind of where I'm going with this. Like they have the handwriting of someone involved in this kidnapping. Right. Uh they're but it's also not immediately s- obvious or connecting to anything. Well, no, you're right, it's not. They the show does not connect it. However, right. there's one other instance of handwriting being found in this episode, which right. is the notes that were found in Julie's stuff. Yeah. Uh that's that's all we can really say conclusively. Yeah. It's interesting to me um, that those two things would be introduced at the same time. Right. And we don't see the envelope, so we don't get a good look at the handwriting. Right. But if I had to guess, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say those probably match. Yeah. And I don't know, because like, oh, you think so? I think those probably match. Interesting. (laughs) That's my wild theory for the week. But but, but why wouldn't that immediately jump out to Purple Haze, the man tracker? I don't think he's seen him. He hasn't seen the notes? No, the envelope. Oh, the envelope. I don't know that he's seen the envelope. Because in that scene, he seems to be getting caught up on this stuff. But him, I think him and Roland went to the guy's house when he got it. And like, uh-huh. he, I, I, I don't know. That's, I, I think but they got a call it. from somebody else okay. saying, hey, we got this note. Hmm. Hmm. I thought they showed up and had, the, but I don't know. I could be wrong about that. That's my, that's my only skepticism. Mm-hmm. I, because I, I, I felt like I, that Hayes had seen the note or had at least you know, seen it entered into custody, and he would have been like, hey, these handwritings are similar. He saw the note. I don't know if he saw the envelope. Right, right. Uh, so the we found also something that's complicating matters is the Ozark Charity Outreach offering $10,000 tip reward, which took the already kind of runaway small-town speculation and added Mars. 10000 1980s U.S. dollars to it. <laughs> right. So you get people calling with angelic visions and things happening on Mars, apparently, and it, it's really turned the investigation to a mockery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Wayne kind of like has this idea to, like, let's get back out into basics and run down some of these inconsistencies in the story. One of them that they want us to pay attention to is the little kid uh, having a new dog and not really be like, oh, I guess he, I said they could come over sometime, but... Yeah. And... It's revealed in the episode that I guess the Purcells had made out like they're going to this kid's house all the time. Yeah, he was, three, four times a week. And and they're not. They're just going mm-hmm. and fucking around someplace else and no one knows, not even their parents. I mean, likely in the woods? Likely in the woods, yeah. as we'll find out, right? Um, so that's kind of interesting that, that they... I, I feel it paints a certain picture of uh, Tim... Is it Tim or Tom Purcell? Tom, right? Yeah. Uh, of him just barely functioning as a parent you know like if these kids are not causing them problems they're bright kids they're not having problems in school if they're not setting things on fire he's content to let them do whatever the hell they want without any kind of like kind of follow-up yeah um just probably yeah fairly safe in the 80s right right so they request to kind of go through the house with a finer tooth comb um and they find roland finds a couple of like a cache of like artwork that includes a drawing 
Um, it's like to me, it looked like a D and D map, but it also had mm-hmm. like topographical settings and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it has like a drawing of a castle, some kind of like kitchen type of room in crayon. Um, and he finds a bunch of these little notes that are on little tiny paper squares that says stuff like, I'm always here, don't listen, always keep you safe, stuff like that. They also find a Hoyt food apron, which this seemed like a big stretch to me because she had worked there how many years? Yeah, two two years ago, one, one, two years ago. Yeah, like, boy, I mean, I guess you, you at this point you follow up on anything since you don't yeah. have any, any real leads, but I felt like that's the one thing that like, wow, you find, you find this kind of rolled up in here and like let's let's go see what's under hoyt's dirty fingernails i guess the other connection is that this the charity is connected to yeah but they never say that in the episode no they, they only tell you that when they show up at right the, right the charity. It, it's 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 something you have to pay attention to and know mm-hmm. that this place they're going to is also the place that was the ozark outreach program and and, and all that and, and you mentioned being rolled up i want to note that the the notes look like they've been really tightly folded up yeah at some point there, I, I saw come into play later. My crazy theories. Okay, let's because <laughs> uh, I kind of want to. Uh, the crazy theory is that someone like they want you to think that the hole between in the closet is some kind of creepy thing on behalf of the brother, or more likely the uncle. Yeah. But why else would you drill a small hole and have very tiny rolled notes of of encouragement and support? Yeah. If oh, I don't know. Maybe your parents are screaming and shouting at each other right. in the background, and you're perhaps. Uh, You've an been told uncul- to go to your room. <laughs> an uncular esque visitor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, oh, because that handwriting is way too good for the boy, right? You think so? I don't know. He's twelve. Because like, if the boy Man, drew, maybe the boy's a, the boy scout. He drew that map, which has no like, you know, like it's it's kind of like what a scout would draw for a D and D campaign, right? I feel yeah. like. And him being described maybe, as kind of like thoughtful, I, meticulous. The, the other possibility is the uncle. It could be and, the uncle. And, so he's not creepy. He's actually genuinely supportive. Right. I still think he's creepy, but the two <laughs> aren't mutually weird. exclusive, I guess. Yeah, that's a weird relationship to have. Uh, and, you know, we've thrown around the idea that maybe uncle is bio dad. Oh, right. Um, Which would make it creepy, but not towards the little girl necessarily. Right. And and Cre- I could see a situation. As creepy as first cousins fucking is, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's Man, there's so much to talk about around just the notes and who could have done it and the uncle and what yeah. his involvement could be. Uh, Tasty. I don't, I like, I don't even know where to start. The The notes are a good inroad, but it doesn't end there. Like, Oh, how deep it, do you want to go, Jim? I mean, we got to pretty much talk about all of it, right? All right. Spool it out. I can <laughs> so, tell you want to run so, with this. So if the uncle is the person passing the notes all right, and granted. you know, he's, he's doing it to like, yeah, this is an assumption. But he he's doing it because you know the daughter is frightened at her parents' relationship, and he's trying to comfort her. Maybe he's the the biological dad. Maybe he's not. Uh, it doesn't really matter. But he might see the situation and go, "I need to get her out of this." Mm. Um, and could eventually lead to the only flaw: either the him, boy must go. <laughs> well, I have a theory on that too. Oh, I don't. Okay. Th- I don't think he killed the boy. I don't All think right. anybody killed the boy. Hmm. I think the boy just died. I think he fell onto the sharp rocks. Yeah, uh. it seemed like it. Uh, I mean, somebody could have smashed his head on there, but yeah, I'm I'm getting a, a vibe like the uncle was trying to protect her mm. and maybe did some things, uh, hired some people or did it himself. The Fargo situation, things went mistakes were made, things went wrong. The the only thing that I have that really nags at me is like, would the uncle be able to drive up like three four times a week to play with these kids in the woods? Mm. 
if he was not, the one and not have anyone know about it that and and even just the logistics of doing it right yeah. with a full-time job and right like, the kids were leaving right after school so yeah. is he not like yeah working what, what's his deal yeah i don't know I'm, Plus, I'm it's not consistent with the mysterious figure that the show is acknowledging, which is the the scarred white suit man <laughs> and his uh, his Mr. Bojangles. Lady. Yeah, Mr. Bo. Oh, sh- wow. Okay, you're up on all the conspiracy <laughs> sure. theories. I see. Sure. Yeah. No, I read a lot about the West Memphis Three last week. <laughs> um, okay, so can we get back to a regular narrative, and we'll take yeah. these theories as they come. So we go. So they go to Hoyt Foods, which is uh, looks like a chicken and pig kind of pro- meat processing center, and. Uh, the Borg voted to contribute some tip money because Lucy, the mother, had been a, line, a chicken line lady uh, two years hence, which, again, I, I guess I can see because, you know, these small local town foundations, they are big about the community and, and uh, you know, working for them two years ago might mean something. Um, but uh, and they also dropped that the company founder experienced the loss of his grandchildren mm-hmm. uh, recently, which is, why, I think, why the foundation was formed. Um and the 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 company principal's kind of taken aback when the detectives say, "Oh yeah, we're going to need the names and dates of everyone you've hired before or since uh, Lucy worked here," but they're going to cooperate. Um, they also dropped that Mister Hoyt is something of a hunter himself and has been on safari since mid October. There is. Uh, are you up on the theories that say that the Hoyts are doing some kind of reverse raising Arizona? That they are replacing the loss of their grandchildren hmm. with the Purcells, and that things kind of went amiss. Uh, and you're, you're I, at- I could see. I haven't read that theory specifically, but I've seen some stuff that I consider spoilers that I don't want to talk about. Okay, because here. here's the thing: like these are uh, these class of of like they're not even really theories. They're like I bet this is what's going to happen, and it has like one or two supporting facts. And the thing that it's got mm-hmm. going for it is there is a nice narrative symmetry between the hunter of man going against you know the 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 other hunter like the 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 big game safari guy going against yeah. the most dangerous safari guy um that that would be a kind of interesting conclusion but yeah it's more of like a literary need for wouldn't it be cool for that to happen than like look at all this evidence that's stacked up here uh-huh um but there you go uh we then also see going back to kind of like basic police work they've they've recruited volunteers to just manually hike in like search formation, uh, arms abreast, all twenty five hundred acres of this pa- this park, the Devil's Den. I don't understand how this works. So, so he claims that like the standard procedure is to start from you know right. close close by and work yeah. your way out. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it; that makes a lot of sense. But it seems like the manpower is dwindling as the days yeah. creep on. Yeah, wouldn't you want to take? the most people you're ever going to have working on this investigation and stick them kind of far out so you can cover as much ground as possible. It just depends if you're going to leave gaps. Cause I, I guess yeah. it's, it's, I guess you probably have to, cause it's probably like, you know, a lot of this missing people stuff is just percentages. Like yeah. every day past the first, they're less likely to live every mile they get past. So it's like, kind of makes sense to keep it like at an epicenter, especially kids when they're mm-hmm. probably on foot. But so it's like, I don't know. Like, now it's one thing if, if, if a purple haze goes out there and finds a bent fucking twig, then yeah, they ought to get the, the all hundred of those people walking in that direction. Fuck the procedures. But yeah, um, assuming he even tells them about the bent twig. Right. Right. He just might pocket it yeah. after he licks it and, <laughs> and swabs his pee hole with it. Maybe this is maybe this is the poor evidence handling is what torpedoed the case in the 80s. They, they didn't no, know. No, I'm, I'm they wondering because 
I'm not actually sure that he's shown these notes to anyone. I was about to say this. Yeah, there's a lot of like, I, I mean, it's weird because number one, we got a character who has, has fallible memory. Uh And number two, they've done instances where you see the guy like, like, you know, maybe you think Wayne pockets those corn silk things, but then later they're presented in the evidence or like they don't ever show him take this backpack full of shit and be like, Hey partner, look at his backpack. And then it just like later on, it shows up half cataloged even. And that, and that's funny too, because people are on Reddit, like, my God, the configuration of toys is different. What's, and I'm like, I think you're supposed to assume that half of them are in the little brown bags with evidence numbers and stuff. And it's like in the mid, like, mm-hmm. right, right. Yeah, with, probably. Not every little thing is a, is a hint, but you know, but, but these notes specifically, like, don't we see them later in the episode in like folded into a notebook that, that I thought only, it was in the case file though. Was it? I can't quite remember. Um, it might've may- been, but, but, but maybe you're right. Cause I know, here's the thing I know. Uh, Cause, um, Roland found it, right? And then we see late Wayne later looking at it. So, like, I don't think it's just if, if no, Wayne's... Wayne, Wayne found the notes. Oh, I thought it was Roland. Mm-hmm. He was the one in the girls' room. To fa- okay. I don't, I don't think so. Because I remember well, Marshala or Mahershala pocketing them. Okay. Okay. When he finds them. Um, so the other thing that happens in the set piece is you get the little bit of the courtship of uh, Wayne and Amelia. And they are... The only thing that thinks that the attraction here is they both sense that they're impressive people of substance, but they have and attractive people and attractive. Yeah. They're both they are both very, they are both very attractive. Yeah. Um, Amelia was given a chance to be very sexy in this episode, and she succeeded. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, they, they, their 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 life philosophies seem to be very very different. How they look at things, how they view basic things like war and society and literature even yeah um politics you know she's a radical black panther and he's probably a black republican um i don't know it's easy to see storm clouds but there is this kind of like yeah but there's a there's a there's something fierce about these people too that i think attracts the, the that kind of fire attracts each other each other yeah and honestly when i look at these scenes um you know of them uh kind of combing the the fields there i I get a sort of trepidation on her part, mostly because like, right. what am I getting myself into here? Like I am attracted to this person, but they are very different from me. And she's still dating a guy, right? And I think, yeah, she still has a boyfriend. I mean, th- 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 I see so much analysis talking about her being uncomfortable and shifty. And I'm like, she's kind of two time in like, she's in the early stages of two time in her boyfriend. Right. Everybody, I don't think she's crossed a, a line, but he especially not the, the murder and kidnapping line. Like everybody is so on this theory right. of like Amelia did it. Amelia did it. Look right. how she's reacting to all right. these questions. She's reacting like a woman who isn't sure that she actually wants to date this person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. know where this relationship is going. Doesn't know if it should go anywhere. Uh-huh. And she's trying to feel that out. I, right. That's what I'm getting from those scenes. Right. And he he asks her out at some point in this episode. And so I, I think that like now, like she's either broken up with this dude or she's officially entered two timing status. Yeah. Or maybe there's roommates. I fuck. I don't I don't know what their deal is. <laughs> maybe. The, yeah. Maybe they're. Uh, He's also drives an adoptive sh- brother and sister. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He also drives a shiny brown. Uh, sedan so fair enough he's also a prime suspect in in the the murder mystery who does uh her boyfriend oh does he yeah maybe they got it wrong it's it's uh right. it's a white scarred man in a suit and a black and a black lady they just got yeah. the, the race the, the races switched that's that's the fallible memory thing huh that's right that's right 
they also in, in Wayne's, uh, you know, journeying across this park, they find he finds like some D&D style dice with a cache of children's toys in like some kind of backpack or satchel. Mm-hmm. Um, and by D&D style dice, I mean dice that have more or less than six sides. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's got I don't know. It's got like a there's a, a teddy bear and a doctor's play, a play doctor kit and a Han Solo uh, and Leia action figures from Star Wars, and some of these corn silk dolls are spread around. He also finds these sharp, jagged rocks that has some conspicuous blood stains on it. Um, and then he finds a nearby gravel road that leads to this two-story house, which is in the middle of nowhere, uh, which leads to an interview. The man there claims that a man with a badge talked to him and uh, said that he saw a car patrolling out here a couple of times, and there's a man and a woman... Uh, but then they want to search a house and he goes, fuck, no, this is America. I got my rights and throws them mm-hmm. out on their ass. Yeah, good. Good for him. You think he's going to they're going to get a warrant? So from my recollection of the scene, it does it does seem like they got a warrant because there's a like an establishing shot of the farmhouse with like a whole bunch of cops parked out there uh, and FBI and all sorts of stuff. And it's, it's the scene where they kind of lay everything out on the hood of the car yeah, and I, review the evidence. I guess I'd taken that, that like they had just, were just like showing the other cops all the shit they'd found in the woods. But you, you we, we took another look at that scene and you're right. There's like FBI there and like the place is just swarming. I don't, I don't, they got a warrant and they've actually gone in or they've gone in and they didn't turn up anything. All of the evidence we presented so far, nothing, it doesn't seem like anything of interest has come from that search if if that search has happened at this point. Yeah, or we haven't been privy to it. There's one thing I wanted there's one Reddit theory I want to point out that I saw where a lot of people are very excitedly pointing out that there's some similarities between the drawing that Julie has of this kitchen looking oh, and this like this this man's kitchen that we're that 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 we're talking about searching. Uh-huh. I mean they're they're similar in the loosest uh, possible way to say they're similar which is to say like almost every american kitchen has these things in it honestly a countertop a window a fridge right and honestly and they're different in far more ways than they are similar and some people some person pointed out it could even be a garage like that could be like a tool bench not because it looks like it's almost like an island kind of thing and it is an island yeah yeah I, i i i don't think and the people are like, well, of course they're not the same. It's a child's recollection. Like, I don't think that that's the way Pizzolatto is going to do us. Like, if this was, it, it would, it would be a cruder version of what would be in reality. But like, I, I don't know. I mean, like I, I mean, said, the, it's, the the picture, the drawing of yeah. that room is a much more modern kitchen. If you look at it, like the farmhouse kitchen, it doesn't have upper cabinets. It doesn't have like an island in it mm-hmm, at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the backsplash is completely different there's clutter yeah. everywhere yeah, yeah 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 like this kid would not remember that this was a cluttered place and try and draw like fucking forks and spoons or something yeah, like i don't know but here's the thing the the backsplash looks very modern the layout looks uh-huh. very modern i would say if it's anybody it's somebody with some money which oh. actually leans leads itself back into like the hoyt, the hoyt connection yeah uh the, yeah, that idea. Like, I haven't seen the uncle's kitchen, but I seriously doubt it looks this modern. <laughs> when you say modern, you're talking about 1980s, right? Yeah, I mean, by the 1980s standards, yeah. Okay, okay. Like, right. having an island in your kitchen and having, like, a subway tile backsplash uh-huh. is, like, a super modern thing for that time. Okay. Um. So, we then go to see the Native American Vietnam veteran, Woodward, 
uh, getting jumped by some guys in his little uh, go-kart trailer that uh, accuse him of creeping around their kids. And he points out, I'm a father myself, which they deny. He then tries to put up the defense, I fought for your rights, you fucking assholes, as they're pulling him from his vehicle and beating him. Uh, yeah. He actually has does a pretty good account of himself. Like He handles like two or three of these guys and before they overwhelm him and pull a gun on him and warn him that if they see him around here again, they'll kill him. Mm-hmm. That's... This is this is some this is some not cool shit, man. I feel re- I felt really bad for this guy last episode. Now it's like holy, like take all the stigma of being a Vietnam vet in this era. And now add being a Native American and having these assholes jumping you to it. Yeah, holy shit, it's a tough scene to watch. Yeah, frankly, and it's going to go dark places because we see Woodward later in the episode go back and angrily retrieve a cache of gun sized duffel bag from his uh, or a his, young his girl house. a young girl's body sized duffel bag huh? if this uh? indian killed any of these kids <laughs> i'm that's so not true i will be so fucking pissed yeah it clearly had guns and ammo in yeah it. i think it looks, it looks like a frank castle punisher special that he's retrieving and he's going to serve out some of these hillbillies but fine i don't i don't know we'll have to see yeah. i hope someone stops him because if he does he's probably going to get the death penalty yeah yeah. You know, it's like there is there is no just outcome for for this course of action. I, I don't think um, so. The the police do what you'd naturally expect them to do. Take some uh, photos of these toys back to the parents and ask them they can identify. And Tom, who identifies himself as the toy buyer of the family, <laughs> uh, has has uh, he's a shitty father because how a child, how two two children together cannot have between the two of them at least a Han Solo or a Leia in the year 1980 at the start yeah. of Star Wars. What, what the fuck? This is borderline child abuse. Yeah. Maybe maybe they have like the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> he just wouldn't buy him the play figures. Right. No, the, 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 yeah. He buys him the vehicles and the play sets and just use your imagination. <laughs> right. Make some corn cob dolls. Corn co- yeah. You get a corn cob Luke and here's a corn cob Han. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, and Hayes is meanwhile looking at a baby book, and a bombshell happens. There's a picture of Will at his first uh, baptism or mm, communion. His communion, yeah. First um, communion. And he's hold- clutching a rosary, and he's got his finger steepled in his death pose position yeah. from the cave last episode. And this obviously is a very exciting idea to the detectives because it looks like so- whoever killed him had to have some kind of connection to to him in, in a familial kind of way. Yeah, or maybe some broader just religious commonalities. Mm, that's um, true. That's possible. This is why I'm a terrible detective because I just I just leap to conclusion to conclusion <laughs> no, at no, each, I, each, I'm with each you, piece though. of new evidence. I'm absolutely with you. I think it was someone who had at least seen that photo. Yeah, and you know the uncle would certainly have access to that photo right. over the time he spent right uh, in the place. Yeah, it's it's super interesting, and I I think like. They almost didn't need that big crazy flashback that they do mm-hmm. with uh, Marshall's uh, eyes being as wide as the the moons that maybe right. don't exist. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I I thought it was a little much because look, we just watched this last week. It's not like this was five episodes ago. <laughs> right. Oh, speaking of moons, this weekend was the Super Wolf Blood Moon. Oh yeah. I don't know what any of those words mean except for uh, moon. It was a full. It was a full eclipse. I like a fucking blood wolf moon. What is this? I know what super means. Did I wake up in the Warhammer universe or some shit? Is there an elder <laughs> god that's going to come through? What the fuck? Yeah. It was super super cool though, and I uh, 
Uh, I don't know. I was, I was hoping for a little bit of a crazy moon connection in True Detective. Didn't get it. This is the yeah. one week that the moon acted relatively sane. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, shall we move into the 90s, Jim? Okay. A, little, a, a, a decade which I think uh, you're a little bit more at home in. Yeah, yeah. I was this is eight your turf. years old in that year. This is your turf. Uh, so Wayne and Amelia are outside the Walgreens in Oklahoma. That was broken mm-hmm. into... And she's talking and trying to talk him into making this uh, vacation into like a sex and uh, a sexy times junket. Why not? And he's like not having it even a little bit like there's a little grim, mirthless like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? But like, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Look at your wife over there, man. She's hot. Yeah. So pumped out two kids and keeping it tight. What the fuck? Uh, I get do... some marital aids here in Walgreens and go to the Hampton Inn. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yes, Jim. Marital aids at Walgreens? Do they sell those? Marital aids? Yeah. I, th- I mean, lubrication's a marital aid, right? Condoms? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. French ticklers? You can those, probably those get... are kind of your baseline marital aids. You can get I like suppose. a bullet vibe in there, right? No. In a Walgreens in 1990? Anything's ah. a sex toy if you're brave enough, Jim. <laughs> right. They sell cans of Pringles. Let's go to town. Uh... <laughs> So there, so I love the way that they're parked here because you have to remember that this is a place that was just robbed, like not very long ago at all. And now they're sitting in the right. parking lot, parked over six spots with their lights off, staring <laughs> right into the front doors. Right. The, the employees must be like, oh shit, it's happening again. That's right. They're having flashbacks in there, shutting shit down, <laughs> right. hunkering in with shotguns and pistols. Right. Right. There's two shady looking black people in our parking lot. <laughs> right. And we're trying to close. Come come save us, officers. Uh second, I think I think they actually do end up going to the motel and boning at the end. They both that's that's how I read. The, the, this, they, that they, scene. They, the 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 boning? You read boning in that? I read yeah, I read motel bone huh, zone. Interesting. I so she she mentions in this scene too, like she's like, hey, like what if I like not really seduce, but what if I you know play up my sexy writer? Oh, you're such a strong cop, and I need you for a source. Kind of she Amy Adams, uh, she she wants Amy Adams the cops in uh, in Oklahoma, except for without the without without the the furtive fully clothed boning. You guys ought to watch Sharp Objects <laughs> to get a lot of these jokes. Yeah, I think if you like the show, you'll love Sharp Objects. Go back and watch it. It's on HBO. Thank me later. Um, but but uh, she, I, I felt like that they were kind of both on, on board with that idea. Like, oh, okay, this is kind of sexy and fun. But for whatever reason, Wayne later is way against it. Uh, do you did you did you did you did you think that kind of jealousy came out of came out of nowhere? Oh oh, way against her going and flirting with these cops to get info. Yeah yeah, that was a little weird. I was like, what the hell? Why are you acting this way toward a woman who is? simply doing her job like do you think is there some history with you two where like she's cheated on you before and this is like like beyond the pale that she would even consider doing this or what like yeah his reaction is so out of proportion well i I know one thing that happens is uh the the experience at walgreens or walmart Walmart, rather it's a big big week for walls um the experience at walmart like where he lost track of his daughter's um, and it seemed like he was maybe resentful that he's having to do this kind of woman stuff because she was out doing her their, their, her black heart-to-heart routine. Yeah. Um, I, I thought maybe that's what, like, he was just, like, angry at himself for losing track of his daughter. And people have pointed out that this was, like, a real hysterical time in America about, like, you know, kids being abducted. This was, like, when the mm-hmm. Adam 
you know, the, the, the code Adam, like the, we're like four yeah. or five years before code Adam being instituted, which is like, you know, the Walmart policy of locking down the store, essentially doing what Wayne wanted him to do in this episode. Mm-hmm. Whenever there's a kid being lost, this was an Adam Walsh, the Americans most wanted guy got abducted from a Sears. There was kind of a rash of this. It was a, like a moral panic in the United States. So, um, like his, his loss of control in this situation and, and knowing what can happen with kids, like maybe that, like, yeah, you're not supposed to see this as like real relational friction, but like an extreme, like PTSD reaction that mm-hmm. like a hypervigilant guy like Wayne would have to his child being gone. That's yeah. the, because otherwise it just seems like he's a fucking mean asshole. <laughs> it does. And I, some of it is probably feeling a little, uh, maybe impotent in this situation, like his mm. inability to get this information that his wife is getting, uh, kind of the role reversal there might feel a little weird to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that certainly experience with his kids is the major driver. I thought it was really cool. The, the actual Walmart set, yeah. like it looked very much like kind of small town, early nineties Walmart. Like they had a very like it. And it's so funny to hear him being like, this store is way too big. Like wait until a super Walmart rolls into town, <laughs> right. dude. Wait till you get a load of a Sam's Club, Costco, man. Costco, yeah. You have no idea what's coming. <laughs> I thought it was cool that they kind of shot Walmart as like a horror film for yeah, about a minute. Yeah, like it's, yeah. I tell you what, like I, I it, it's happened to me once where Jack, when he was like three or four, mm. got like, I turned my bag and he was gone in a department store and it's like fucking white hot electrical fear and those yeah. aisles just are designed to hide children in. <laughs> You know, and you weren't you, even working a case. No, uh, hell no. I don't child abduction. Yeah, I don't. I don't swim in child abductions for my job. Well, I guess mm-hmm. kind of I do. Yeah, like, I bet. Yeah. You know what? I have as much experience as this fake <laughs> fictional cop. I've been through three seasons of True Detective. Yeah. I've been through Sharp Objects. I've been. Th- I, I'm familiar with the criminal milieu. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> at least as much as this fictional cop is. Um, so Amelia does have some success buttering up these cops. She yep. comes equipped with a sheer white dress and she's got her headlights turned on to the bright setting and these guys are like in her personal space and want to take her out for a beer and i looked and i gotta say you know despite them wanting to ask her out for a beer and divulging a bunch of information because she's an attractive woman mm-hmm. being attractive and sexy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not once did i detect them looking down at her breasts really i wasn't fucking looking blew my mind i was like oh this is the first thing they're gonna do yeah These especially pervs. especially night you know like uh, Yo, they're yeah. still smoking in offices in this era so like <laughs> right. not once yeah i not thought it's blown away i was semi and this is this shows what like what little we expect out of men but i was kind of semi-impressed there wasn't like a her having to fend off a hand on the ass or something right but it was all yeah. exact kind of like you know it was kind of fun and sexy and she was getting she was there's this big smile on her face because this is going exactly to plan and you know it's always cute when that works out mm-hmm. um so she comes home and he's saying you know she he catches her she catches him reading her manuscript and he complains that he you know he can't really get into it because he sees his name in it and he just picks a fight with her we talked about this i guess i don't quite understand what his hang up about him being in that book is some people said I saw one compelling theory that they mentioned that he's dyslexic and that this is actually cover for him struggling to read lengthy material. Did they mention that? I must have missed it. He said something about like, I don't know, I but the, the, yeah, they, they made the, some mention about the, the word, like the letters kind of getting jumbled up and when he was talking about school mm. or like. Oh, okay. So I, I wonder if this is kind of uh, underlying um, underlying sensitivity to, to that. And it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of an excuse, but I, I don't know. Could be. Um, 
and they get in a fight and um she tells him like look i'm not going to stop being this investigative investigative journalist that i've turned into and I, like i said that's the other thing i felt like that this is not a sign of long-term marital strife it's more like a short-term annoyance because this didn't feel like a fight that's been brewing or happening like she mm-hmm. seemed genuinely shocked and yeah. angry about his his accusations and behavior so mm-hmm. um, whereas you look at the contrast of tom and his wife that's been brewing for a while right right yeah that's that's <laughs> been bubbling over i think the coffee yeah. pot's broke and shattered um oh I, there's a couple of the scenes that we've skipped over where roland is talking to uh um uh, the the district attorney glenn i think is his name and uh, like in the 90s they're having this kind of like powwow and he mentioned a couple of things i thought were interesting number one that you all fucked a good detective back then you know that right yeah and the reason what kind of silver-haired fox lawyer says i ain't going to dispute that i mean they're talking about they're talking about wayne somehow G- gotta be yeah my my interpretation of all this with everything i've seen from this episode is that something Something went down during uh-huh. this case. Yeah. Uh, Marshallo was Wayne was very vocal about how he's getting fucked, or like how they fucked up this investigation, or something. Right, and it's all their fault. And I, I think that uh, Roland gets shot at yeah, some he, point. They mentions like, yeah, if I had been the one that screwed up and got shot, maybe. Yeah, and and so I think like he got some sort of promotion based off of that. You know, like, hey, you took a bullet in the field and you were doing good detective work. It didn't work out. The case, you know, was blown or whatever. But right. that that's my impression. Like, you know, obviously Wayne got left behind. Roland got promoted. Right. I mean, it's the getting shot. It's the being white. It's right. Uh, absolutely. And then there's a couple others like, you know, Roland points out. It's like, also, I kept my mouth shut more often, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's a that's a pretty bad one, two, three punch. Yeah. Uh, if you're I guess you're competing for for uh, promotions. Um, and they also, uh, they ask him that he and Roland had a, or him and Wayne had a falling out and he goes, well, he doesn't deny it. And he goes, I can't really rightly say why he goes, once we stopped working together, we just stopped, which mm-hmm. I mean, I can totally relate to that. Like yeah. uh, there's a lot of people I consider good friends with at work. And then you switch jobs and sometimes most of the time you don't stay in touch. Like this didn't yeah. feel like nefarious or, and and even later when the two men meet, there doesn't seem to be that much bad blood between them. Mm-hmm. So no, I think uh, Wayne's grudge is basically over the how the the system police force, yeah, yeah, handled the yeah, aftermath yeah, yeah. of everything. Um, it, and, and Roland, you know, is maybe not to blame in that, but he gets caught up in the the blame game. Yeah. I guess in Wayne's yeah. head. Yeah. Um, the other thing that uh, um, Amelia found out when she's buttering up the cops was that uh, Julia's fingerprints. Well, they don't really know, but they only found them in like in the cos- cosmetic aisle. There weren't on any mm-hmm. of the entrances. Now, the cops also didn't do a thorough job because they wanted to hustle up and get the store reopened. But it led Amelia to believe that, like, maybe Julia wasn't part of the robbery. She just was, you know, happened to have her prints there. Wrong place, wrong time kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So Roland visits Tom Purcell, who has cleaned himself up and uh, five years sober. Yeah, he's winning the ten year challenge, mm-hmm. uh, and he's got like he's a nicer house, everything, and he looks like he's found Jesus, and this is a big part of his acceptance of all this stuff. But obviously, honestly, worked up, and you know, kind of excited, scared, nervous, optimistic, dreading what this means to find uh, his daughter alive after all these years, and he asks uh, Roland to pray with him. 
which seems sort of uncomfortable for Roland. Yeah, yeah, but not yeah, yeah. like not like super uncomfortable. Not like asking Russ Cole to pray with you. Yeah, but like kind yeah. of uncomfortable. Yeah, because Russ would be like, "Which God are we praying to?" I know uh, <laughs> uh, Hindu prayer that involves excarnation of flesh and, and six days of sex. Exactly, blow your exactly. mind. Um, uh, I do have to say, I most of the uncomfortableness around this, I think, was kind of looking over and seeing all the things that are going through Tom's head at any given point, right? Like, help me not to, you know, grow too attached to anything in this world. Help me to, right. like, avoid all of these other yeah. traits that, that, you know, he deals with that are maybe less than desirable. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it seems like he's handling them, but I think that's what Roland's looking over like, oh boy, the, this is what's in your head? Oof. Well, no, that but does not describe, the, the, I mean, these are very driven, attached to things men. Like, you know, I, I think it's also kind of yeah. a rebuke to their maniacal way of life, too. Sure. Uh, so we uh, then, uh, we see back at the police office that uh, uh, Hayes gets a, a message that a lieutenant wants to see him, and we find out that this lieutenant is none other than Roland who meets him at the local VFW post, I believe. And uh, there's some jibes like he, he, you know, Hayes opens with kind of like the racial resentment about joke. You know, it's not even a joke. It's just an observation and they kind of get into sparring. But mm-hmm. you do you feel like there's still some there's not a lot of bad blood, more like lingering uh, mutual respect. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, Roland offers him a job on this new task force that's formed to find a real killer. And he takes it and he takes it. Uh, so then we flash forward to 2015, and we're at a doctor's office with Wayne and his son, and he's getting results. Um, they're not saying what he's got. They're like whether it's Alzheimer's or dementia, whether it's some kind of Parkinson's. They're not really. They're 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 hinting that it's like an obvious diagnosis that like uh, Wayne's not wanting to hear, but they don't yeah. come right out and say it. There's some really good acting, some old 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 cantankerous man acting here. Mm-hmm. The whole uh, you know like. Like babies don't remember anything. It's like it's 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 nice that we have to revisit this phase on the way out. Yeah, uh, and then you know when they start playing the gotcha game, he gets pissed about that, right. and and says, "Hey, I'm gonna kill myself. You if put you, me in a home. You put me in a home. I'm gonna Jeez. off myself just so you know that. I mean, I guess that's what the gun is for. I got yeah? the toenail clippers ready to go. Like if this is the day where yeah. the men in white coats come for you, right? Yeah, if you need it, reach for that that nightstand. Yeah. Yeah, and I also like, but it's it's the listener. It, he sounds like he's full of shit because he's like, look, at the t- like, why were we at the burnt out Purcell's house? Mm-hmm. Well, I remember, but at the time, I knew what I was doing. I just can't remember what it was. Like, <laughs> right? Okay. Then, do you remember? Remember? Do you remember knowing what you were doing? Were, were, because then you would have to remember what it was, yeah, right? Maybe you're not remembering the fact you were in a fugue state for the whole and just like you know weaving from side to side of the road like Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street. Like, oh yeah, I mean the the <laughs> gotcha game. You yeah, know, he's. He's resentful of having this disease, is what it is. Like, sure. he is angry. At all these things being taken from him. The, yeah, he's losing himself. So, And he's lost things he doesn't remember. Like, you yeah. know, his daughter, his wife, uh, his his old life. It's it's not, not only has he lost it in real life, but now he's even being deprived of memories. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a sad scene, honestly. Sure. And, you know, it's tinged with anger, but as you would expect. Uh, so he's being interviewed by the young journalist lady, and she's confronting him with some uncomfortable facts about the investigation that he might not be fully aware of or doesn't remember himself. 
so he insists that they yeah. did a thorough job canvassing the the neighborhood, but she has statements from multiple neighbors saying that not only were they not interviewed multiple times, they never got interviewed. And it seems like that these people also have a, a, a singular narrative about this black man with scars, wearing a suit, and this white woman that he's with, and his brown, shiny new late model sedan. Mm-hmm. And uh, this kind of triggers something in him because he murmurs the word treads. And we yeah, see and we him see flashback. We see the flashback MC in this tread. So like this is triggering a memory that he had. But like a lot of this stuff, it, it's implying that there is a cover up that was maybe over his head. That that this DA Could was a, arranging yeah. detectives and had private people working on it that were compartmentalizing things from from uh, uh, Roland and, and Wayne here. Um, so yeah, and he he tries to get her. Then it's like, so what new evidence do you have? And the you know t- the son gets testing. They they canceled the interview. Um, they also talk about in his study. He's he's I think this is. A lampshading, or what is what is a? It's like throwing a bucket of cold water in this kind of theory, which is the satanic panic D and D stuff. Because mm. he addresses yeah. this in like his reminiscing with his tape recorder. Like a lot of people thought these games would get people killed playing them or something, and mm-hmm. um, so I, I feel like that's Pizzolatto's way of saying this isn't what this is about, right? By coming out and, and explicitly saying it. <laughs> Right. And yeah. And, and like this, all this and the, the Memphis three and all that, like these are these are things I'm riffing with, but they're not they're not what I'm, the story I'm trying to tell. Uh, then the ghost of uh, Amelia shows up and says a whole bunch of cryptic shit about some some real Rick and Morty shit, man, about uh-huh. infinite possibilities and Einstein saying the present and the future and the past are all an illusion and that you have to harden your heart about the, the things that you want to lose most and that you have to lose everything. And she also he also frets about losing Becca and she goes, you have, but not in the way you think. Um, and then she also taunts him with worried about what you'll find, what you left in the woods, that you need to finish this. Yeah. Uh, and this long- really just dis- this really I can't sell how much this disturbs Wayne. Yeah. This scare. This is. It, he's like, oh no. He starts sounding like uh, what? What is it? The the character from the Matrix. Uh, oh kid, yeah, Switch or something. Uh, not like this. Not not my dead wife coming back. <laughs> yeah. It's like Elizabeth. I was coming to you. Now you're coming to me. This is really confusing. I don't. I don't like it. Uh, okay, you got some analysis, Jim. Oh, I mean, along with like all of the stuff that he's pocketing in this episode, I'm starting to think like, did he? perhaps unknowingly help with the cover-up like did was he complicit in this case not getting solved the way it should have been and because of like a, uh, now and now he can't remember you know the pieces that they might find later the point to that the only thing i can think of is that and i don't know if this is true or not i saw it asserted a couple places that like evidence collecting is, was fundamentally not as good in the 80s as it was even in the 90s i would buy that yeah before the crucials of like dna evidence and Mm -hmm. contamination and all that so like i wonder if we are we are pizzolato's trying to accurately portray like gumshoe work in the 80s whereas we're like conditioned to ncis and csi we're like where are the rubber gloves where are the tweezers where is the grid where is the the mm -hmm. little plastic baggies i mean they don't even use plastic yeah they they use paper baggies so like I, I wonder if there is a little t- that we're just we're too he's trying to be authentic and we're reading this as sloppy police work. Yeah, which, no, I agree. Yeah, um, it's it's a good hypothesis anyway. 
and I don't think that precludes the idea that you could look back on that as a and failing. Say, oh God, like, what if? Oh, I fucked up. Sure, you sure. Know? Like, like if we had had this tool, or if I had done things the way we do things now, yeah, we might have solved this. Oh, I mean, we're in that era right now. Like, if you got a thirty, I, I imagine if you got like a thirty-year-old cold case, there's probably lots of times where it's like, oh Jesus, if we, yeah. If we had handled this, the, these samples, or even taken the samples that we would have today, we would have nailed this guy, or we would have, mm-hmm. you know, set this other guy free. Um, shit, we see that happen all the time. And um, with the faulty memory, I mean, it seems yes. like there's a lot of room to say, "Hey, what did Wayne do here that he would be worried subconsciously about them finding out?" Right. Right. Uh, that's all I have on the episode. We have a, a ton of feedback this week. Did you got anything you want to talk about? Okay. Um. No, I think we pretty much covered everything. And before we get to feedback, I'd like to talk to you about the club at club.baldmove.com. Because like 90s era Walmart, we're offering everyday low prices on our club on our club and f- f- packed packed with features. Now with 33% more features by volume, <laughs> not weight. It's single or double ply? It's it's triple ply. Tri- Ooh. But it's, Damn. it's actually made out of compressed plywood. So when we say triple <laughs> ply, it's three times the plywood, three times the, the, the sensitive skin being scraped. Um, but on the plus side, you get ad-free feeds. You get VIP access to the forums. You get video versions of most of our podcasts. You get tons of extra features like Lunch with Jim and Aaron, uh, spoiler-filled first-run movie reviews, uh, tons of other features. You can preview them all by going to club.baldmove.com. You can actually get to see examples of all this stuff in the full pitch. And you can try 30 days, your money back if you don't like it, by going to club.baldmove.com and signing up today. Okay, you can send feedback to truedetective at baldmove.com. Uh, we also have a, an episode thread on the forums, forums.baldmove.com. Uh, if you'd like to talk with your fellow fans there, let's get to the first feedback. Uh, Josh says, uh, "This is some of this stuff is about the first two episodes. Uh, I can't help thinking that Robert Penn Warren poem, Amelia Reads in Class, Tell Me a Story, is a key for the theme of the season, particularly the line, the name of the story will be time. If it's perfectly how the story exfoliates through these interleaved time periods, I like that word, exfoliates, as stories we tell in our heads aren't linear. It also shows us the crushing wages of time. Also, the story may be ironic take on the proverb, truth is the daughter of time, as here time may be obscuring or revising truth, most clearly in the form of Alzheimer's. Uh, Note uh, all the imagery of mists and of darkness. Um, he also has an observation. Finally, am I crazy, but were the older kids playing with the boys' bike at night in the Devil's Den? I rewatched it and it looked like it, but felt too much of a bombshell clue to show so early. I, yeah, I think they were, but I didn't take it as like, I just thought it's like this kid ditched the bike there and these older kids were just fucking with it like they would. Yeah. You're you not going to, you're not going to ride your bike back into the deep woods. Right. And leave it there overnight when the and kids the show up with their and... mayor, Joanna, and their, their right. shitty mad dog Bartles and James stuff and <laughs> drinking Robotussin and Dimatap. Like it's that's that's your, your bike's not going to survive that. You got to know that as a kid. Um, yeah, no, I, I think the, the theme of time is an interesting one to, you know, pair with memory because it's they're intertwined naturally. Uh, and I don't I haven't thought about it and I'm probably not smart enough to understand exactly where they're going with that or. If I am smart enough, I'm certainly not well read enough mm. to understand the Robert Penn Warren stuff. Um, yeah, like, same here. As, not like Nick Pizzolatto does. I'm sure he's right. You know, a scholar when it comes to it's, that stuff. So recite that by heart. Yeah, uh, 
but I think there are some interesting themes at play, and that probably warrants a closer examination. Yeah, no, I appreciate uh, people bringing it to us. Uh, Daniel J. pointed out, he's one of the ones that pointed out uh, that uh, he thinks Ali's character doesn't read the book because of his dyslexia. Mm. Uh, so credit there. Uh, Sean G., I know the general consensus is the West Memphis 3 will be more or less a red herring. However, I'd like to put forth a correction and a theory. My ears perked up when you briefly went over to West Memphis 3 case. You mentioned when new DNA evidence was introduced, the conviction was overturned. What actually happened was once the DNA evidence came to light, the defense attorneys started pushing for a new trial. Arkansas then allowed the men, convicted men, to enter an Alford plea. An Alford plea is more or less an admission of guilt, usually including a deal suspending the prison sentence met out at the original trial. The state gets to close the case and doesn't need to spend tax dollars on a new trial, and the convict walks free, albeit with a murder conviction on the record. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, how wonderful that we live in a society where if we get wrongfully convicted of a crime, we have a chance of getting out after a couple of decades, and as long as the state is too lazy, afraid of embarrassment to retry you. All this, mind you, happens while the real offender is out there walking free. I agree. It's it's great. It's great. Uh, now, here's my theory. What if the state ends up deciding to offer the convicted unknown person in the 90s an Alford plea? This would not only close the case in the official level, but also weigh on Hayes tremendously, especially if he had doubts during the original conviction. He'd be stuck in his limbo where he's constantly thinking about this case, and he won't be able to work on any of the official level uh, 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 as the case would be closed. Introducing that weird wrinkle in our justice system to reflect a real world rather nicely while pulling our main protagonist in a very difficult position. So I guess my only th- the, the, the motivations, I, I don't think there because it doesn't seem like he had doubts based on the 90s stuff we've seen before. It seems like he felt true blue and was kind of offended that they were undoing his police work mm-hmm. uh, in, in the 1980s conviction. So definitely the the idea that, oh, God, we've got the wrong person or I put the wrong person away and the other person is out there. But like, I don't think that doubt was eating him for those 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 10 years. That's the only that's the only thing I think as as has overturned it in uh, any any of this theory in the last week. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Alford? Alford, please? Alford, uh, please for everybody? Maybe. I, I look at, like, you know, the thematic stuff they're doing with Tom and, uh-huh. and the Native American uh, guy from Vietnam. Uh, they both speak of, you know, being stuck in mm. a situation that they, they can't leave and they also can't stay. Mm. Um, you know, can't, can't stay awake but can't sleep, that kind of thing. And putting Hayes in that position in the nineties, I think would be a very interesting thing to do and could, you know, potentially be the thing that leads to whatever. I I get the impression that there was strife in the marriage before, uh, uh, Amelia died. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not actually sure why we saw some strife, but this could be a flash in a pan strife, right? This could be the beginning. This this could be red herring strife. This is, or it could be, yeah, red herring strife. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I would think like putting him in a similar situation to understand Tom better would be interesting. Right, right. Um, do you think that they're setting up Woodward to be the Patsy? Because I, I, I can't imagine a scenario unless they actually have hard, concrete evidence that he abducted the children. Like you know, he finds their clothes yeah. in his locker or some shit like that. Like I don't think Hayes would ever believe that he did this. Yeah, but. Hmm. I could see him being wrongfully convicted. I just, I just, it seems like whoever they wrongfully convict, Hayes at least has to be kind of convinced. But that doesn't also line up with them fucking the, a good detective. Like, how would they? Yeah, I'm really curious to see how Hayes is ultimately feels vindicated in the conviction, mm-hmm. but also wronged. Yeah, 
Because so maybe maybe that's how Roland gets the credit for blowing the case wide open, and they when really like he. Everything we see in this episode is yeah. look. Wayne is pushing this investigation forward. He's the right. guy who's tracking down everything that leads anywhere. But you look at all these missteps, maybe deliberate, maybe it's incompetence, maybe it's a cover up from on high. If they shove all those mistakes on the Hayes and right. then give all of Hayes credit to. I could see how that would elevate, you know, uh, yeah. Roland and and piss off Hayes and but still have him be fundamental. All of his police work is right. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. That'd be that'd be interesting. Um, uh, he also Sean also suggests that if we were interested in West Memphis three, there is a documentary called Paradise Lost. And it's a trilogy of documentaries were filmed over in 1996, 2000, 2011. And it's like it gives a really good hmm. comprehensive kind of like coverage of, of the case. And honestly, that's. I don't like true crime, but I do like true crime that that illuminates problems within the justice system and kind of like and so this kind of stuff where like analyzing miscarriages of justice, I think, uh, is is way more interesting than just, oh, yeah, here's a crazy serial killer that wore people's skin and here's all the lurid details of it, you know, sure. So I, I actually might take a poke at that. All right. Moving on to Clay. Uh, Westfinger is based on so this this is one of our the, the legion of boots we have on the ground. Uh, Westfinger is based on a town I grew up in called West Fork, which is located about ten minutes south of uh, uh, Fayette, Fayette, Fayetteville. I'm gonna try to pronounce this correctly because I got multiple corrections. Yeah, it's not Fayette Fayetteville at all. Futville, okay. uh, about twenty minutes northeast of Devil's Den State Park. I have no idea why they couldn't call it just West Fork, but apparently there's an issue getting permission. What? What? I mean, that makes me want to set a murder in our shithole town of Mooresville. Uh-huh. I like just try to keep me from using the name more. I'll call it Lesville. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? God, I want to write a true crime and set it there because like, yeah, what the fuck? You can't use a real location to set something. What the hell? Did someone has anyone told Stephen King this? I guess not. Because uh, all this shit is clearly set in a very particular time and place. I, I don't know. That seems crazy, but. I don't know. I, I, it's, it's the same thing, I guess, they did with um, the fictional town and Sharp Objects. It seems like they had exactly the kind of place that they wanted that they just, just gave it some other name. So Yeah. Because um, also, I guess it could also be a lazy way of, you know, instead of having to research a town and get all the street names correct, you can just like, eh, it's like this town. Wink. Right. Um. All right, moving on. Chelsea, want to point out one conspiracy theory that you may not know involving the West Memphis Three. All right, Mr. Bojangles, are you ready? Oh, There's okay. a suspect that has never been, uh, never been found as commonly referred to as Mr. Bojangles. He was described as an African-American male who showed up disoriented and covered in blood in Bojangles in West Memphis the night the three disappeared. Bojangles, I guess, is a restaurant. Yeah, I, was, I read through the Wikipedia article. I was like, oh, boy, that's an offensive name for this person. And then right. I realized, oh, okay, he's in the Bojangles restaurant. Yeah, yeah. But it is. It's a very. Yeah. It's a very kind of uh, Jeepers Creepers kind of Mister Bojangles. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a thread on Reddit, and she's that she refers me to. But there's other sources. Um, she thinks that the trash man, which I think she's referring to as Woodward here, is reminds her of the mysterious Mister Bojangles because they're both men living outside the norms of their small towns. I've always heard Mister Bojangles described as a vagrant or homeless person. Or could Ali's character end up being a Bojangles killer type of uh, 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 type killer of the boy? I just thought I'd throw it out there since it may have influenced Pizzolatto. Um, so she also gave me a, the 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 definitive uh, pronunciation guide. It's Fayetteville, Fayetteville. So okay. 
uh thank you for that because uh, everyone every all of our boots on the ground in arkansas was was taking me to task for that hmm. um yeah i i mean you're i the, the the similarities there of the men being outside this guy's kind of like a described as a vagrant bum native american and the other guy was a vagrant homeless uh, african-american i could totally see that jiving but also i'm trying to keep nick's caution of these are not one-to-one parallels to, mm-hmm. uh, uh, at heart too yeah but i mean if for that you know, like he could have the literal same cast of characters but just with a slightly different outcome so it could literally be like the west uh, the, this memphis three with the twist that some like it was bojangles instead of the other kids and it would be wouldn't that be like not one-to-one yeah for sure and i think it's also interesting to you know combine that Mr. Bojangles theory with what we learned in this episode about, yeah. you know, the mysterious sedan with the black man and the white woman, uh, th- that with the man with the scar and the white suit, like that could be a loose interpretation of the Mr. Bojangles stuff. Mm. But I'm not sure. Um, Joseph. Cause et- it was a thing that was never investigated. Right. Much like the Mr. Bojangles, the Bojangles angle. Yeah. The Bojangles yeah. angle, <laughs> not investigated. Joseph says the dad used to work at a school bus factory and school bus drivers would know all about where the kids live and the comings and goings of the parents. Plus there's a lingering, lingering shot of a school bus in the second episode. Is there any there there? With, I, with a, a brown Mercedes next to it. <laughs> Seriously. I see. I, I don't think that like in, so speaking of my hometown, uh, we had like, like a bus motor pool. But it wasn't a bus factory. It's like where all the buses were kept mm-hmm. and they were maintained and their oil change and their engines were worked on and shit. Like, I think this is an actual they manufacture parts that are shipped out to repair school buses and whatnot. So I don't think that these people have any kind of contact with bus drivers or anything like that. That's what I got. They're a machine shop, not like the motor pool for a, a, a community busing service. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think there's anything there. There. Sorry, Joseph. Uh, Zach, uh, I think this is actually bipack Zach. Oh, okay. Hey, so, Zach. hey there. <laughs> uh, um, one thing you guys mentioned in the podcast about the moon phase in 1980s reminded me of something else that caught my ear in the episode. Right when the kids got off on their bikes, Scoot is in the garage walking, working on his car, listening to a baseball game. Given the time of year, there can o- they can only be the World Series. The mm. issue is the 1980s World Series didn't make it to November. The last game was on October 21st when the moon was 95% full. Uh, I still think the most likely excuse is they started writing it set in late October and then changed it to get the Halloween doll giving in, but with the story focusing on unreliable narrators, who knows? Man, this kind of sucks because the more chronological inconsistencies there are, the less I think that the moon theory holds water. Unless they're just really leaning into the unreliable narrator and this is all supposed to reward the off-screen detective work that we're doing. Yeah, it's it's tough (laughs) because I... I really feel, you know, what Amelia is talking about with time and her interpretation of the story that we are of it and in it and cannot extricate ourselves from it because yeah. you can say, oh, well, this is uh, West. This is not West Fork. This is uh, West, West Folly. Middle finger. This is West Fuck. And uh, you can change all the street names or just not get the street names right. But you know what you can't do uh-huh. is say that this was this was 
Billy Goat the Eighth of 1980, uh-huh. and it doesn't have an analog in the real world. Right. So you know, I can make stuff up. No, we're stuck yeah, in yeah. time. Like yeah. this has to have a setting and a time and a place. So. And, I, and the thing is, here's the here's the thing that's the flashing neon sign on all this. Pizzolatto's gone through two fucking seasons of this. He knows how the internet works. If he says that there's a moon phase and gives yeah. a fucking date, right? he knows that people are going to look at the calendar. He, he, he should, yeah. So, like, and and they're, they're, like, if he wanted to set, he could have moved his shit around. Like, mm-hmm. I I don't know. If, if he just had to hammer this to make Halloween work, I, I just, I don't know. It seems like he's setting himself to make a lot of people uh, angry. So, I kind of think there mm-hmm. is something there, there. But then again... This is the guy that put up a whole bunch of spiral kid drawings in Woody yeah. Harrelson's home during a season that was all about spiral pictographs <laughs> and, and spiral birds and, and denied yeah. their any intent. He's like, oh, well, that's just a set dresser. They just had some pictures of kids during hang out there. So like and that turned out to be true. If so. It, it, yeah. So like sometimes shit happens or Pizzolatto's a liar. Either way it leaves us in a squirmy position where you can't deny that there's weird stuff happening to margins, but it also could be just an accident because you're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know where that leaves us. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, professor Jason E, uh, who is also a Arkansas native that has more information on the setting for us, uh, has a few things to say. It says the Northwest Arkansas, the NWA region is really nothing like the setting of Ozark in Missouri. First, Westfinger is only a few miles away from the corridor of the cities of Fayetteville, Springdale, Rogers, and Bentonville. Or is that Beantonville? Like, is there some kind of crazy pronunciation for (laughs) that, too? Yes. Rogers? Rogers and Beantonville. Uh, In those cities, you have the University of Arkansas and the headquarters for Tyson Foods, J.B. Hunt, and, of course, Walmart. The university and those companies bring in a considerable amount of money in the area, as well as folks like myself who work there. And don't get me wrong, Arkansas gets rural in a hurry when you get past these cities, and the main story takes place 30 years ago. But the middle of Missouri is about as backwoods as a place can get with not much to see except for Jesus, fireworks stores, and porn shops. Shots fired, Missouri. Mm. Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas. The, the little Calvin pissing on your state logo. Uh <laughs> Finally, this is kind of interesting thing for me, but the 1990s timeline of True Detective will partially take place on a campus here in the University of Arkansas. How do I know this? Because I teach in the classroom pretty much every oh, semester, shit. and my office is right below where they were filming. Spoilers. Something, some, it was something of a big deal when they came to film here last year. I imagine. Yeah. And, and spoiler alert, uh, some of this is going to be set in the University of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that blew the lid off some some re- no it didn't 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 change anything um thanks for that report appreciate it brian s texas sandman i enjoyed this episode in the weaving of the three timelines and the one narrative and has uh been good for me so far i feel like it all flows together well and there's enough physical markers on our main characters distinguishing the three heirs i'm never getting lost or questioning where we are in the story i gotta say yeah especially mahershala's wig like mm-hmm. the high rise versus the low rise that's doing some work I need that. I do. I need because that otherwise him and Amelia look the uh-huh. fucking same, man. Her hair is also much better in the 90s. Uh, much better. Well, oh, yeah. This is the 80s, you know? Yeah. I mean, the 80s had bad hair. It's, yeah, bad lots of things. A little 70s hangover going on in the 80s. We're all being honest with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian continues, there seems to be quite a few similarities with season one, the perceived schism between the two detectives after initially working well together and solving a big case. 
bad home life fueled by distrust and alcohol for one of the detectives getting the gang back together after years apart to finally solve the case for reals. I'm enjoying everything, but if more and more story points are mirrored, I can see myself feeling a bit cheated. What do you think about that? Like, to me, I didn't have a problem with The Force Awakens. Yeah, it was essentially uh, Star Wars done all over again uh, to a slavish degree, but I was in the mood for that. I kind of were in the mood for a uh, a by-the-numbers, true detective, you know, triple mystery inside each other romp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can go for that. I'm... I'm... I guess less focused on that than some people, but you know, reasonably mm-hmm. would be. Yeah. Um, as far as the initial investigation part of the case goes, I'm assuming that the lot of groundwork was and is done by the local police department. That would include canvassing field interview surveillance. I'm curious how involved Wayne and Roland would be in the bulk of these activities. Would it make sense that they are following up on things that they deem worthy of further investigation and maybe not talking to every neighbor? Um, I could see some of the local PD missing things in the reports and maybe not considering some information as relevant to the case. Do you have any insight as to how involved the two, detrec- two true detectives are in the perceived mistakes that 2015 true crime lady is bringing up? I, I feel like my my idea is like this is being fucked by an on, on, on high. That like there is like Roland and Hayes are not the only detectives obviously working on this. You got the FBI, you got some of the like, you know, non-detectives just doing grunt work. And I think that there is like leads are being divvied up and filed to different detectives based on maybe some nefarious intent. So like I do think I do think that Hayes was was kind of shut out of a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. But it could be that he was in on it and he's just forgotten Right. Like he falsified a bunch of police re- reports and just forgot that he did it. That's what I always go back to is how much of this can we trust? Yeah. You know, how how much of what we're seeing should we believe? Yeah. Uh, finally, he says, I'm sure you've looked this up or been informed, but Mamie Gummer is the Gummer we see in the show. Older sister to Grace from Mr. Robot. I'll say that the makeup on her is great. She looks super haggard and worn, but not in a fakey way. Very natural. Holy shit, Brian. Did you just light up? <laughs> Take that, Mamie. Poor- Poor Mamie Gummer. Boom. You're, you're nailing that haggard dish rag look, girl. <laughs> doesn't doesn't look affected at all. Jesus, Brian. Let's 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 kind of let's, let's have some some comedy here in the podcast. Damn. Uh, moving on to Josh. He wants to discuss our buddy Joanna Robinson's theory of the case she posted in her Vanity Fair column. Shit, I haven't seen this. Oh, you haven't? No. Enlighten right. me. I think I there she's been she's been huffing the psychosphere. Let's she does it. this. This is her thing. She like runs with a theory yeah. that seems pretty wild at the beginning of a season. Sometimes she's right. Yeah, no, I mean she's she I I uh, and also so some of this stuff is paraphrased from a, uh, her podcast that she does with her uh, her partner um and I didn't have time to listen to it so I just like looked at a transcript. So some of this could be tongue in cheek. Mm, yeah. Like in the same way that we kind of run with theory sometimes, I, I in the same way that I kind of like propound, you know, propound the Varys as a mermaid theory on Game of Thrones and Roose Bolton as a vampire. It's like mm-hmm. it's a fun way to fuck with the text, but I don't really, really believe it's there. So I, I don't know. I'm just but but this this is getting a lot of time share. It's 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 one of the mini Amelia's the true killer. Okay, theories. Lay it on me because I'm right. I'm dying to know. So here's here's the here's how Joanna lays this out. And I'll, I'll I'm only going to get like halfway through this theory. Uh, if you want to read the rest, I'm putting it in the show notes. Uh, she looked uncomfortable when they were joking about Wayne looking her up in the police system. 
evidence the uh, first... amelia did yeah these are just bullet point evidence i isn't hmm, okay. okay i would be uncomfortable if somebody looked me up in a police system and i don't think i'm in the system and if it's a handsome man and you're dating a person like there's like I, again a lot of awkwardness and uncomfortable seems to be just amelia feeling out whether it's wise to engage romantically with this man yeah uh she was involved in black panthers and that organization endorsed violence and some of its leaders were brought up on murder charges against children specifically they yeah yeah they so so the murder and she's a murder in black panther sure yep uh <laughs> She talks about liking to put on new personalities and personas to try out on strangers. Okay, that's slightly weird. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quirky. Yeah, it's quirky. She acts uncomfortable when Wayne reveals that he's a professional manhunter. You know, not the fact that a man is just a hunter of men. Like uh that's that's a wild thing. (laughs) It's a wild thing. Yeah, for a school teacher to encounter. Yeah. Um. Uh, a murder. I mean, it's it's just it's like like I've had conversations with people who have like like soldiers who have shot at and killed other people, and it is a wild thing. It is yeah. like it's a lot. Like you you can either relate. You're either in that club or you're not. Mm-hmm. Um. So like I think it's it's fine to be kind of like have a a, a thrill or a shiver go through you when discussing with someone that is just, that's taken a life. It's 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 a hell of a thing. Uh, a murder helping with the investigation is an Agatha Christie trope. Okay. Okay. Uh, she understands children would thus be easy to uh, be uh, thus easy for her to manipulate them. That sounds good, except for children just notoriously easy to manipulate. You don't have to be a master manipulator to manipulate children. You just that's, need candy in your pocket. That's one of the like, reasons it's so heinous. Right. Right. You need you need a panel van. Yeah. And a, a bucket of candy on Halloween. You're yeah. done. Yeah. They're like they're, it's it's like you know hens and foxes, except for the hens are even more defenseless than they are. They have no guile at all. <laughs> Um, okay. She likes to try on different personas and it's going to be wind up revealed that she is in fact the white suit wearing scarred face man. Or whoa. They're a racially flipped version with her and her boyfriend, her boyfriend supplying the shiny new brown sedan. Uh, okay. All right. One of the poems she reads provides the title for Agatha Christie's Endless Night story which features a protagonist who's also the narrator narrator of the story that in the end reveals that they themselves are the murderer that you've been reading about the entire time. Mm-hmm. So like she's kind of protagonist, not, but she's not the narrator. She's not the POV for sure. <laughs> I've seen people speculating that like the end of Amelia's book said, Oh, and I'm the murderer. I right. did it. I'm like, is this like an OJ this Simpson? This has got published, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> If I did it. And then Wayne, when he reads it, is going to go, oh, my God. Now, maybe there's a breadcrumb in there that Wayne maybe would have insight into that maybe other people wouldn't. But. So what's her motive, right? Why would she sure. do it? Yeah. Because just like she said For in episode book. one, she's bored of teaching. She wants to write. Uh, and why not commit murders and adopt children so you can write the true crime thriller of of uh, literary history this, and make bank, baby. God, this kind of reflects negatively on Nick Pizzolatto, right? A man who has written a crime thriller about kidnapped and murdered children. Oh, yeah. Uh, Should we be looking into his past? Of course we should. Or maybe even his future? Of course you should. (laughs) If if not, just looking at any of his interviews should let you know that the the man (laughs) needs to be looked at under a microscope. Like, he's... Fair. He's got a certain affect that, uh, you know, he's either going to be a successful television crime writer and director or he's a serial killer. (laughs) 
Uh, it's a very binary Perhaps choice we have here, folks. Both, much like Amelia. Much like Amelia. Uh, this kind of neatly explains some of the mystery within the mystery vibes the show gives and some of the things that look like denial and cover-up on the part of Wayne. Okay, there's a lot more to this. Like I said, I'm about halfway through, but like I... It's a lot like this. A lot of it is you have to believe that all discomfort Amelia experiences with mm-hmm. Wayne is because she knows she's she has killed these children or abducted them, and she is leading the detectives on a very cat-and-mouse game uh, to write this murder mystery, and that doesn't seem compelling. And Occam's Razor is over there clearing its throat saying, what if she's just <laughs> nervous about whether she should get involved? I mean, there's so many different ways. Like... She's helping this police officer. Is it ethical to get involved professionally? Mm-hmm. You know, is it and compromise herself like that way? She's got a relationship with another man is complicating things. They are not in tune at all politically mm-hmm. or even like and like politics is one thing, but like met like maybe not even morally and ethically. Yeah. Like when is it right to kill people? What what is it? When is it right to stand up for your rights? And how do you fight for them? Like there's a lot of big divisions there. So yeah. I didn't, but you know, again, maybe Joanna's right. Maybe she's trolling. Uh, if this sounds interesting at all, check out the, the the show notes and and see your full thoughts. And that is our podcast for the week. Nice. Um, we can be reached at truedetective.ballmove.com. There's always a forums, forums.ballmove.com. If you'd like to talk this stuff over with your fellow fans, we always reserve the right to come back later in the week if something big, some big theory drops and develops. Um, but uh, other than that, we will definitely see you back next Tuesday for the next episode. Now, in previous years past, episode four has been kind of a big deal in True Detective. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the penultimate episode of The Wire. Like, lots of fireworks. You had the big one-take, uh, uh, you know, uh, trap house raid in the first season. The second one, was that The Lodge? Uh, Might have been. I, I don't remember. Uh, I can't remember, but there's always been like some kind of action-packed uh, whammy-bammy thing, and we're wondering if uh, this will, will keep the, the trends going. So we will see mm-hmm. uh, next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. Bye.